You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Hey, Resonate. My name is Jonathan Moore, and I'm the site pastor of our new church plant at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. It is a pleasure to be here on Sunday getting to preach to you and continue our sermon series on the book of James. Stephen last week got to preach on the uh, the first part of the chapter one, and I get to finish this chapter this week. The passage we're looking at is really focusing on being doers of the word and not just hearers. And really, this passage, I believe, is often uh, talked about and, and quoted in the Christian realm because of how James clearly defines the mark of a true follower of Christ. And whenever I read this passage, it brings to mind people in my life who have really modeled this way to live to me. People who have not only heard the word of God, but who have actually heard it and then responded to what it says to do. One person in particular is my friend Dylan. Dylan has been a village leader at our Pullman site for the past few years. And for the past two years, I've had the privilege of leading him in huddle. Dylan has been a man who who reads his Bible daily and then often in and outside of huddle, we have conversations of how the word is convicting him in areas of his life and what he, he really wants to do about it. And Dylan has been very consistent in his approach to doing and seeing and believing what God is speaking to him through the word. And even when he fails, He's also very quick to repent to the rest of the guys in our huddle. Even when it's hard and even when he doesn't necessarily feel like repenting, he he commits to that practice. I personally have been challenged by Dylan's consistent obedience to the word of God. I am sure there's at least one person in your life who really lives like Dylan. And I'm sure if you have that person in your life, you are inspired by their wholehearted pursuit of the Lord um, in, in following Jesus this way. So as we step into the text today, let us keep our minds on those people who have exemplified what James is teaching us in the word today. Perhaps after we're done gathering, maybe you can go to them and maybe pick their brain, get to know how, how did you become a person who, who knows the word, hears the word, and then actually does it. So with that said, let's take a look at the text. Today we'll be reading out of James 1, 19 to 27. And this is what it says. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, 
and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for um, just this day that we, we get to process through what you're teaching us through um, James's letter, Lord God, that we, we can actually be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And so, God, I pray that as, as I, I preach out of your word, Lord God, you would you'd allow me to speak clearly in a way that really cuts us to the heart and, and changes us. And Lord, I pray for those listening, Lord, that they would be challenged to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, I believe James is trying to teach us really a profound lesson. A lesson that I would say is maybe a, the bedrock foundation of what he is teaching throughout the rest of his letter. And that lesson is this. Because we believe God's word saves us, we must also believe it commands us. Let me say that again. This is our main thesis for today. Because we believe God's word saves us, we must also believe God's word commands us. So let's break this down into maybe a little bit more digestible pieces. So my plan for today is to walk through these two main points that break up this thesis. The main points are God's word saves us and God's word commands us. After we walk through these two points, I then want to jump to this question. What does it actually mean to do what the word says? From the text, I believe we can draw out three key ways that directly relate to and show us how James challenges us to do what the word says. And don't worry, I know I went over those points pretty quickly. I'm going to come back to them. So if you're taking notes, don't worry. So let's remember our thesis for today. Because we believe God's word saves us, we must also believe it commands us. So our first point today is God's word saves us. God's word saves us. If God's word can save us, then James here is really referencing the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. James is writing to the Jewish believers from a perspective that his audience already realizes the grace they have been given through Jesus. But if we miss this, it will be very easy for us to get lost in, in the rest of James's letter on his teachings that are really endorsing practical effort in following Jesus. So let's not get lost in that and let us remember then what the gospel is. God's word teaches us that this is the gospel, that God created the world and he, he wanted us to know him. But we, mankind, we, we rebelled against him. And our rebellion brought us far from him. It made us incapable of having a perfect communion with him. And it showed us how deserving we were of his holy wrath. But 
God loved us. He loved us so much that he actually came to this earth in the flesh as a human, as his son Jesus, to live the life that we could not live in perfect communion with the Father, never sinning, never rebelling. And yet, being innocent, he went to the cross to die, satisfying the full wrath of God that was reserved for us and our our sinfulness. Finally, though, Jesus' resurrection, he overcame our rebellion and death itself, making a way for all mankind to come come back to God and, and to actually be saved from his wrath, to know him. And this is by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. This is the word that saves us. But how does it? save us? Well, according to James, the word saves us first because God has planted that word into our hearts. In James 1.21, the first part of it, he says, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted into your hearts. He has planted it into our hearts. God is in control of who receives the word into his or her hearts. So, Jesus speaks about this in John 6.44. He says, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him to me. It is impossible for the word of God to take root into your life unless God himself plants that seed into your heart. This is a gift from God. It, it's grace given. It's, it's undeserved. So, I'm sure you're wondering now, wondering now, how does God pl- then plant that word into our heart? Does, does it just uh, show up in our heart does, out of nowhere? Does God just place it in our heart without us ever hearing it? Well, I'm not one to really prevent God from doing anything or, or um, push back on his power to do anything. But practically, when we look at the scriptures, um, we see that the, the answers to this question or to these questions is no. We have to first hear the word for it to be planted into our hearts. So, once it has been planted into our hearts, we then humbly accept it. So, the second part or the latter part of verse 21, James says, Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. I want us to note here that James in this verse doesn't say immediately we're saved once we hear the word. He says the word God planted in our hearts has the power to save us. It is capable of saving us. So if it's capable of saving us, then how then, again, are we actually saved? Well, Paul writes in Ephesians 2.8 that we are saved by faith. And in Romans, he, he, I think, clarifies where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. All right. So now we know how God, how James means God's word can save us. This is great news. It is a gift that we, we don't deserve. We now get to spend eternity with God. There's absolutely nothing left for us to do. 
We accepted God's gift and now we can do whatever we want. Because our so- salvation is covered, you know, I'm signed, sealed, delivered. I'm, I'm God's, right? I, I can now do whatever I want. I can gossip about people behind their backs. I can go partying out and drink as much as I want. I can look at anything I want on the internet because, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm, I'm saved. I'm set. I got my fire insurance, right? Right? Isn't that what being a, a Christian is all about? Believe the gospel and be saved, right? I could, I could totally just end the sermon here. I've, I've finished. No, of course I can't. I could not stop here because I would be preaching a half-truth. So let's continue to hear what James is teaching in 122. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. Do, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourselves. Do you guys hear that? We would be fooling ourselves if we believed just hearing God's word saves us. That after we believe, there's nothing more for us. We would be fooling ourselves. He said, we have to listen to it and then do it. So, that is why. And let me back up. I I, I don't want to say that Jesus' sacrifice is not sufficient. We can't add to that. We can't do anything more. His sacrifice on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection is enough to save us. What I'm talking about is if we believe in that and then go on and say, we don't have to do anything. Our life is done. We're, We're saved. That's all that mattered. We're missing the point. And so that is why I must clarify what James means here by God's word. So er earlier, I said God's word to James is is the saving power of God through the gospel. But it is also the moral and ethical law taught through the law and Jesus' teachings. So it's after we believe in the gospel, the grace of God, that we realize the second point of our thesis today. And that point is that God's word commands us. God's word commands us. Just because we are saved does not mean we're finished. Now from the grace we have received, we are driven to obey what God is teaching us through his word. God's word becomes the way in which we view the world around us. And I think Dissecting James's metaphor here will, will be very helpful in, in verses 23 to 25. So let's look at the verses. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Why does someone look in a mirror? A mirror reflects the image of the person looking into it. It gives you intel on what you need to fix. Maybe your hair, maybe your, your makeup, maybe that little piece of uh, lettuce in your teeth after, after you ate lunch. So to help us understand James's metaphor, let me paint you a picture. Now, have you 
You ever been at a Sunday gathering and you're you're listening to the sermon, you're you're taking notes on your pen, and uh, you know you you just have an itch on your face, so you just you know you reach up with your pen and just scratch your face, right? You bring your pen down, and you realize, oh no, did I use this side of the pen or this side of the pen? Because if I use that side, I totally just drew on my face. But you're too embarrassed because it's in the middle of a sermon to do anything, so you just you just wait until the worship is done. And once the worship's done, you you run back and you you go into the bathroom and you look in the mirror and and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I actually did draw on my face. Shoot, <laughs> what am I gonna do? I, I should I should probably get that off. But at that moment, your friend who's your ride comes over and he's like, hey man, we gotta go. Um, I'm I'm on a schedule, and uh, so you have to leave really quickly. So you're like, okay, I'll, I'll do it later. And so you you leave. And you, uh, you go with your friend and you go throughout the day. And let's, again, assume this is not about friendship, right? Hopefully your friend is going to tell you, you you drew on your face. But let's assume your friend just doesn't notice, all right? So you go throughout your day and you just forget that you drew on your face. You forget that you had pin marks all over your face. And you do nothing about it. This is exactly what... James is trying to point out exactly what he wants us to realize. He wants us to realize that if we look into the perfect mirror of the law of God, it will reveal our flaws, our sins, and our issues. We will begin to see who God is calling us to be, and it will open our eyes to what needs to change in our life. We will see the pin markings on our face. (laughs) We can't be the person who looks into the mirror of the law of God and and see what it is exposing, the not-so-pretty parts of ourselves, and not do something about it. If we don't, we will continue to live in the sin that we we will just continue to live into it, thinking nothing is wrong, when in reality, as James says it, we are fooling ourselves. So we need to look into the law and actually do something about it, right? We need to wipe the pin marks off your face. You need to do something about it. So now that we know we drew all over our face looking into the mirror of the law of God, I'm sure you're, you're thinking back to that question I asked at the beginning that I wanted to go over. And that question is, what does it actually mean to do what the word says? What does it actually mean to do what the word says? Well, from this passage, I believe there are three key ways James is challenging us to do what the word says. And to be perfectly perfectly honest, these are not revolutionary, nor are they very specific actions either. James gives a few specific actions or examples in the text But ultimately, I believe he really is focused on three ways doing what the word says actually changes us. So the first point is this. Doing what the word says affects the way I think. Doing what the word says affects the way I think. I'm drawing this from the start of the passage in verses 19 to 20, which say, Understand this, my dear brothers. And sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. James, although focusing on anger here, makes a point that the way we think about anger is the way we control it. When you are quick to listen and you're slow to speak, you're actually creating space for yourself to not react out of a feeling. I almost said here that what the word or doing what the word says affects the way you feel. However, the truth is rarely do we control the way we receive emotions. What truly changes when we obey the word is how we perceive emotions. Our mind changes and we are no longer controlled by feelings, but we take every thought captive and we allow the way we think about our feelings to be the thing that controls us. In Romans 12 2, Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a, a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Doing what the word says starts with the mind. Here's a question you can ask yourself to test the way you're thinking in regards to God's word. How am I allowing the word of God to change the way I think? How am I allowing the word of God to change the way I think? All right, the next point that I, I believe James is making here is number two. Doing what the word says affects the way I speak. Doing what the word says affects the way I speak. I'm drawing this from uh, verse 26 where he says, If you claim to be religious but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. Our language matters. A good person, so Jesus says in, in Luke 6.44, um, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. The religion James is talking about here is related to religious discipline and, and fear of God. It's our, our worshipful acts towards God. And he says, they are worthless if you do not control your tongue. If we think the words we say and how we say them don't matter after we believe in Jesus, James says, you are fooling himself, yourselves. Like, this is probably his favorite thing to say here because he, he keeps saying it. You're fooling yourself if, if you believe this. So doing what the word says moves to the heart and is then shown through the way we speak. So ask yourself this question to help you assess the way you speak. How am I allowing the word of God to change the way I speak? How am I allowing the word of God to change the way I speak? The last way I believe James is teaching us is this. Number three. Doing what the word says affects the way I act. Doing what the word says affects the way I act. This is from verse 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father 
means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The outward expression of our religious discipline and fear of God is now shown through the way we act towards the world around us. In this, we no longer serve ourselves. We serve those who are weak and in need around us. Our actions no longer coincide with what the world says is good. And if you're wondering what the world says is good, John, in his first letter, says this about the world. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from this world. Our actions as followers of Christ are contrary to these things that the world offers. Doing what the Word says is finally displayed now in the work of our hands. So ask yourself this question, how am I allowing the Word of God to change the way I act? How am I allowing the Word of God to change the way I act? In our church, um, the way we practice doing what the Word says is by using the Kairos Circle. It is a tool we use to really help us understand the process of repenting and believing. So, Let's pull it up here. Here it is. Perfect. So if we look at the Kairos circle, we can see um, that really on this side, we're asking the question of what is the Lord saying to me? God's word. That's the repent side, right? And then on this side, we're saying, what am I going to do about it? So if we are being someone who hears the word, and, and then doesn't do anything about it, we're really getting stuck on this side. We're becoming um, just hearers. <laughs> we're, we're hearing what the Lord is saying. Maybe we observe, maybe we re- reflect, maybe we even discuss. But if we don't cross over into the doing of it, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pass us by. We're going to lose it. So I want to I wanna use Dylan as an example. Um, of, of walking through the Kairos, uh, walking through a Kairos moment in his life. And don't worry, I asked him for permission. So in the spring, Dylan heard and read James 5.16 and 1 John 1.7, which say respectively, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And then one seven says, but if we live in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Dylan heard these verses, read these verses, and then observed and reflected on how he was not living into the fellowship of repenting his sin to his fellow brothers in Christ. He then took that and he, he discussed it with his roommates um, who were also fellow believers. Uh, they um, then passed into the process of actually doing the word when they actually made a plan of how to practice repenting to each other. They, they said, every day we're going to practice repenting to each other, uh, confessing our sins to each other before we go to bed. 
and his roommate, roommates were his accountability. And then all they had to do was really practice doing it. And so they, they started to walk into practicing this, this process of confessing sin to each other. And from Dylan's words, this led to, to him finding more freedom in his sin. Just as the verses said, walking in the light with your brothers leads to cleansing from sin, leads to healing from, from sin. The beauty of doing what, what Dylan did and his roommates did is that it changes our path and we actually move closer to Jesus. We become more like Jesus. So, do you still have your, your Dylan in mind? Perhaps now you have maybe a better understanding of how, how they actually hear the word and, and do it. When it boils down, it, it comes back to our thesis. It, that because we believe God's word saves us, we must also believe it commands us. God has saved you through Jesus. Not so you can now go live however you want. It is because of his grace, a gift from God that we didn't deserve, that we now obey his word in our daily lives. The effort we now put forth following Jesus is driven by the fact that Jesus saved us. The mark of the true follower of Christ is now shown through how God's word changes the way we think, speak, and act. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I, I pray for our church, Lord, that we would not fool ourselves when we read the word, when we speak about the word, when we are challenged and convicted by the word, Lord God, when we hear you speaking to us. Lord, I pray that we would truly listen and that would lead us to act out of that listening. Lord God, that we would actually move into a process of doing what you say, Lord. And I, I know that you're speaking to us, Lord. But Lord, I pray that you'd open our ears to hear you more and lead us in uh, the path of obedience. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.